This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. everybody and welcome to keep screaming a podcast where two best friends dissect horror movies one by one it's supposed to be horror movies or slasher movies i mean slasher movies are horror movies that's true but um, it is horror yeah. movies okay um so if you're just joining we are here every other week to talk about one slasher movie that we picked and then uh go over just that movie and completely dissect it we have been at this for 10 weeks, no, 10 movies, so we were just talking about it. it's 22 weeks, which is pretty exciting. I think that's a long time, uh, and we have a whole list of these movies that you can find at our website, uh, keepscreaming.com. You can also find us online on iTunes, on Stitcher, on, what's the other one, CastBox, Cast and then we are, of course, on social media, at ScreamingCast on Instagram, and at ScreamingCast uh, on Twitter. We have our own individual Twitters. Uh, my name is Ryan Larson, and my Twitter handle is at Ryan Larson. And this is my lovely, lovely co-host, B Bass, and her uh, Twitter handle is at B, not B, which is B-E-E, not B-E-A. Yes, because that is how I spell my name. If anybody's curious, or that wasn't completely obvious. She spells it like the... Bumblebee. Yeah, not the old lady. Wait. I just... Well, that's so, an old lady. Name. I had a customer at work ask me like oh so is your name beatrice i'm like no actually uh it's Brittany is my legal name um b is my nickname um but that's just what i go by i've gone by that for for a really long time and they're like oh okay cool and i'm like yeah actually most people get it right like when i say b most of the time people spell it with two e's or they're like oh with two e's more than i thought when like i first started like going by it full time i think because b-e-a is out of like it's not no. a common name so anymore. i told that to this uh customer of mine and he's like and i was like well that's yeah, kind of more of an old-fashioned name now and he's like well not if you go south of the like if you go farther south and i thought he was talking about like the south and i'm like oh yeah i guess beatrice might be more popular name in the south and he's like no, if you go to Brazil, every other woman is named Beatrice. Oh. So, like, in, like, South America, Beatrice is a very, very common name still. Interesting. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, okay. I guess I just meant here in California, Beatrice yes. is not a very popular name nope. anymore. It is not in style. You just think of, like, Aunt B. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, anywho, that was a little rant on my name, but it's B-E-E. Yes. We are also part of the Pod People uh, podcasting network, and you can find us and other shows at podpeople.me, which is something we need to get better about talking about, yes. so that's why we were doing that. Uh, so we start every episode with, basically, we call it our pop culture check-in, where we talk about what we have been watching, reading, listening to, whatever, uh, that week, as far as pop culture goes, because we are very in love with horror and with slashers, but we branch outside of the genre sometimes. And we like mm -hmm. to talk about that as well, just so mm -hmm. you guys have a better idea of who we are, um, so we're not just two, like, really laser-focused slasher, and that's all we love people. Um, so B has a lot this week. I'm, I'm going to go first, because she actually, I guess, had a, now that Mad Men's over, 
Um, she actually had time to catch Guys, up on a bunch of other stuff. I can't. I'm broken. Yeah, because Mad Men ended, and then you're done with love. So I'm I'm like really broken right now. I, my, I've, I've there's a hole in my body. Yeah, if you keep up with Beast Twitter, Ugh. you'll see that it's been it's been a rough go. Uh, so I signed up for Filmstruck, which is uh, basically um, I don't know who curates it actually. I think AMC, but I'm not sure. But I know they have the Criterion collection. You know what? I don't think it is AMC. Um, wait, Hulu doesn't have Criterion anymore? No, move to Filmstruck. Oh, which that's is, why I get ads for it all the time. Yeah, so I, I signed up for that because there were just some... Um, there's a really excellent podcast that you should all listen to called Pure Cinema Podcast. It's uh, Eric Kane of the Keeps or of the Shockwaves Podcast. Of the Keeps so of the, Yeah. Uh, it's Eric Kane of the Shockwaves Podcast and his friend um, Brian... Oh, Brian, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. Brian Sauer... I listen to the show every week and I can't remember. Um, but he runs a very popular movie blog, um, which is Rupert Pupkin Speaks. Um, but they dissect, like, they are the two biggest cinephiles I've ever heard in my entire life. And so they finally convinced me on Filmstruck. And I really want to watch this movie called The Last Picture Show, which is uh, Peter Bogdanovich. And um, it's really just like a slice of life movie. It's very interestingly filmed, like, interestingly filmed. It was made in the 70s, but he chose to film it in black and white. Um, time is, there, there's no indication that time is moving forward in the way that it does, but it's you're basically following essentially three main characters. It's like um, these two guys and a girl that graduate high school in this very, very small town in Texas that's basically dying. And the town is dying? Like the town is just slowly becoming like they're losing business and like people are moving away to like bigger and better, prosperous, more prosperous towns and it's like a, this little like dust bowl town and um it's about kind of it follows their lives basically only a year like it's from when a little before they graduate to a little bit after a year like a year after but it'll make these like really interesting time jumps where it doesn't tell you at all and there's no indication it's not like you know they put up christmas lights to show that it's winter or anything it will just be the conversation like it very naturally happens throughout in the conversation and you pick it's never confusing like the very as soon as you notice it you're like oh okay i see what's happening here and you can follow along pretty easily but it's it's very like stark and like raw i mean it was made in the 70s but it's filmed in black and white so it makes it feel a little older and it when you start the movie you're like oh this is kind of like this coming of age drama and then you just out of nowhere like the girl goes to this party and everyone's naked <laughs> and i was like oh there's full frontal nudity in this movie oh, yeah uh, okay Alrighty. so it's just very it was like, the 70s yeah it was the 70s but it's just like very real nothing feels gratuitous like everything yeah. just feels very like natural and real and like it truly was um is this a movie that the that podcast pure cinema turned you on yes, to yes okay. so uh elric talked about it on their uh, america episode and um, America. America. And he was saying, like, to him, it's kind of like, to him, it's the last, like, Western, even though it's not a Western at all, but, like, since it takes place in this, like, tech, like te uh, Texas town, it kind of, it has that feel to it. And I had watched the Spielberg documentary on HBO, and um, Bogdanovich was one of the directors they talked about as, like, hanging out in that group of directors. And mm. I was like, oh, I've never seen anything he's done. Gotcha. And so I, I wanted to watch it, and it was fantastic. It was absolutely amazing, and I can see why it was so well received. Also really weird to see, um, oh, why can't I think of her name now? The grandma from Raising Hope, Cloris Leachman. 
She's young. Like, she's like 30 in it. Oh, I'm like, whoa, this is so weird. And yeah. it's not a comedy role at all. Yeah. So like very – oh, and Jeff Bridges' first role, he's 17 in the movie. Oh, jeez. And he um, – Oh, man. I'll have to show you a picture. He looks a lot like our friend Ron Dewey um, in that in that weird. movie. It's very bizarre. It looks he's, like dubs? Yeah, he looks – dude, like I showed I showed Jared and Derek and they freaked out. They're like, <laughs> what? They're like, dubs is the dude. They like freaked out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, saw that, uh, I know this is, like, horror, you know, like, taboo, but I'd never seen Alien. I've never seen Alien. Yeah, um, there's just some of those that, like... Condemn us now. Uh, I've just never got around to because, like, I've seen Aliens a lot, actually. Like, a lot, a lot. And I've seen, like, I've seen Aliens 3 and 4 and both of the AVPs, and I've seen bits and pieces of Alien, but I never just sat down and committed to it, and I think a lot of it is, too, because, like, the... When I was younger, I feel like I was. It was a lot easier to commit to a two-hour movie, and now I look at two hours. I'm like, ah, that's a long time. And so sometimes I just don't. And uh, I finally did. Loved it. Of course, like I understand why it gets all the applause that it does. It was fantastic. I thought, um, you know, like there's just something. When did that movie come out? Seventies, I think. Um, there's just something about practical effects that I will never not love. Uh, I think. I think practical effects movies just hold up so much better. Uh, 79, yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah. really enjoyed that. I need that. to see it. I really, and maybe this movie will change my mind. I cannot. It's Sigourney Weaver, right? Yeah. Oh, she just grates on me. I'm I've hu- never I'm not, liked her I'm not anything. a huge fan of her either. And, like, you know, she's in Cabin Except... in the Woods. Like, oh, yeah, when yeah, she yeah. shows up in the end, I'm like, oh, come on. I get why but she's isn't in she it. But is she like, Freaky Friday? That's her, right? What? Isn't no, it? that's Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Okay. Then, yeah. I was, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, was uh, like no. I was like, I like her in that. That's Lilo and, like, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um. Okay. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I've never been like Wait, a. Wait, Ghostbusters. That's right. Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah. I've never right? been like a huge, that's know. Sigourney Weaver for sure. Yeah. I've never been like, I don't mind her, but she kicks all sorts of ass in that movie. No, is great. yeah. Um, it's like a haunted house movie with an alien. It's it's. You also hate aliens, and I hate alien movies. I do. Like I really don't like like sci-fi alien movies for the most part. So the fact that I did enjoy it really and I probably actually, helps that it was like the original alien movie. Yeah, and I love the sequel. So I I think I think that helps too. But that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new movie that came out this week on VOD called Pie Wacket that you should check out. Um, you're going to see a lot of comparisons if you look at this, that it's the Lady Bird meets horror. It's, <sighs> I mean, of course they're going to do that. Like, it's yeah. it's a good marketing cam- like technique because it's like, oh, this huge movie that just came out that's drawing all sorts of, like, critical acclaim. Compare this to it. It has a mother-daughter dynamic in it that is where any of the comparisons to Lady Bird So, pie, whack it, like... How it's P Y E W A C K E T, and basically, you find out. I'm not gonna like get too much into it because I don't want to spoil it, but like this girl, her mom is forces her to move, and she's like already kind of like spiraling because her dad passed away, and so she's got like really into um, like the occult for fun. Like for her, it's just like, oh, I do this stuff because it makes me feel like she's kind of like almost like Wicca. But, like, she's like, it makes me feel, like, you know, powerful. And she gets really pissed at her mom one day. And Piwaki is the name of the, like, demon or witch or, um, like, kind of creature that she summons. Um, and it's one of those movies that, oh, 
oh man, it's got a gut punch of an ending, and the end is is rough, but it was really really good uh, as far as the scares go. Just reminds me of that like slow. Like, I saw a lot of reviews online. Like, most of the negative reviews I saw were like, oh, it's too slow. But, like, I love that. Building slow, dreadful, and it has payoff, which helps, too. Like, there's a couple moments where you're just like, oh, wow, that's really terrifying. Um, so I would definitely recommend that one. And then uh, started my MCU rewatch. Trying to watch all 18 of the movies that are out now uh, blue panther is not out yet on blu-ray but i already saw it in theaters but so 18 movies before infinity war on the 27th i'm on the fourth so uh but as long as i started by april 9th i could watch a movie ding and be there so i'm a little ahead of schedule uh incredible hulk is still not my favorite <laughs> don't like that movie very much or iron man 2 but uh love iron man 1 and very excited to watch captain america and then the last thing, which B will also talk about, Santa Clarita Diet Season 2 came out on Netflix. Um, so I've been watching on my lunch at work because it's almost exactly 30 minutes. So mm -hmm. I can watch a whole episode on my lunch. Makes that fly by. And it's fantastic. Uh, it's the one thing I've noted, to me at least, it feels like I didn't do a rewatch of Season 1. I feel like it's snappier. Like even, it, like it's more oh, like boom, 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 boom. Like especially especially between better than the first season the especially between the between, two adults yeah. and the daughter yeah like those three and the daughter and the friend eric i think uh -huh. yeah have really good chemistry too just as, like they bounce off each other really well yeah. he has good timing but like and i love drew barrymore b is a giant drew barrymore <laughs> like um, but you Joel McHale don't understand being in it i love nathan fillion nathan fillion reese witherspoon right or, I no i mean alicia alicia silverstone no no, it's the girl who replaced Alicia Silverstone in the Clueless TV show. The girl who looks exactly like Alicia Silverstone? Yeah, it's not it. her. She's from Psych. Yes, I like her. Yes. And I thought it was Alicia Silverstone. Yes. Um, no, I got her? your path. Yeah, what is her name? We'll find out eventually. Um, so I like all of them. And, um, and I love Drew Barrymore, but for me, Timothy Oliphant sells that show. Like, I just, I absolutely love him in that show. I think he's so, like, just, like, charming, and he's, like, kind of this klutz, and he can't really handle everything, but he's trying to. Rachel Blanchard, that's mm -hmm. her name. Um, and him and Drew just work really well together. Like, very believable. And I, I love I, their relationship in this show. It's super great uh, because it's a very... For those of you who aren't familiar or didn't catch the first season, it is a zombie show, although they constantly make jokes like we prefer the title Undead. Mm. Um, don't want to call her a zombie. But it's this, you know, it's happened to Timothy, Timothy Oliphant's character's wife. And, you know, she kills, has accidentally killed somebody. And then they have to deal with that and deal with how she's going to eat and how that's changed their relationship and and how it's changed their family dynamic yeah, because like they have opened up to their daughter about it and she's kind of like in on it now so it's like all of this while still being part of such the charm of it is that it's kind of a dexter-esque show in a way it reminds me so much of dexter and like even the very the either the first or second episode of the second season i was like this like to me i was like this show so easily could have been lazy and been like it's just funny dexter yeah because 
the basic premise is it's uh, like yeah. oh we're just we're gonna find bad people and, and we'll kill them yeah. so the premise is similar of the second season yeah, yeah. they so take the, that on and yeah. and so i was like they could have so easily given themselves like an easy out and mm-hmm. they they didn't no like, they are so good at like handling the family dynamic and actually crafting yeah. a really smart and like witty very just like i said it's fast like they they bounce off each other really, really fast. I know. I need to look into who's writing this because I have been laughing out loud so much. Like, I just can't. And I love sort of my favorite type of humor is just where it's like really goofy and silly and not really grounded in reality. And this show is very real. I mean, obviously, it's a zombie. Not based in re- reality in the situation where we don't have the undead, or at least I don't think we do. Um, I don't think this is happening in Santa Clarita, but it at co- at the core of the show, it is a family show. It's about the family, and then this whole world happening around them is mm-hmm. it's about how they're dealing with it. So because at the core, it's about them, it's has so much heart, mm-hmm. and so much more heart than like a show like Dexter did, where because he was a sociopath. There was never uh, clear enough. He never made real connections where this show, it truly is about the married connection and the parent connection and even their relationship with like their neighbors mm-hmm. and the friends is just so funny. It's just, it's pretty exceptional. And I mean, I'm five episodes in on this season and I'm just like kind of wanting to slow down now because I, eight? yeah, I think it's eight. I know it's like going to be over soon. I won't be ready for it. And I, I mean, I didn't do a rewatch rewatch of season one, but it just feels. I feel like so it's much, landing better. Yeah, like, I feel like it's more the humor's landing. Yeah, like it's, it, it's all timing. Like mm-hmm. comedy is so much. It's uh, it's interesting. I just read an article. I can't remember what director said it, but some famous director was like, "Comedy and horror, are so yeah." I just read that too. Like, right next to each other because it's all about timing, mm-hmm. and and I feel like. The, I really enjoy the first season of Santa yeah. Clarita, and especially if you're like a gorehound, they yeah. they'll get you with that too because yeah. there's like buckets of blood. But I feel like this season, even just three episodes in, I'm like, oh, like they're clicking. Like yeah. they they understand how to like bounce off each other. Yeah, it's so, it's really really great. The cast is exceptional. It's really, I mean, like Ryan said, my level of connection to Drew Barrymore is just unfounded. Uh, I'll just say that my bridal shower was Drew Barrymore themed, yeah. like the entire thing. So um, I'm biased in a, in a way for her. It's like hard for me not to love her, but I she's so great in this. And her timing and to see her in this really fun comedic role that is smart, I think is such a great use of her talents because mm-hmm. I think she is a very talented comedic actress and it's kind of been wasted on some roles like blended or some other things that just weren't great um seeing her with smart dialogue is just so rewarding and everybody any horror fan i mean you gotta check it out it's it's really great and their version i really enjoy their ver. it's like i zombie where i really enjoy their version of the zombie world and they make it interesting how live the the main zombie in that show she gets the memories from eating it and this one in Santa Clarita diet they have another side effect that's really interesting and fun that 
um, changes them when they become zombies. So it just, it's, it's excellent television and I hope Netflix continues to produce it. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of iffy if they were going to, the first season didn't, wasn't received super well. Yeah. It was like, it did okay numbers. Netflix never releases their numbers for like Jack, but like, I remember something came out they're like, it did okay. So when they landed season two, it was kind of a surprise, but I've seen much more like really much more positive feedback yeah. on this one. So, so watch it, support it, tweet about it because I'd love to see more of it. And I think anybody who's a horror fan would love to see more of it too. Plus they're both scream alums. Yep. So gotta love it. Um, yeah. So I did quite a bit the last couple weeks. Um, I'll sort of start out. I watched Slither. I was gifted the Scream Factory Blu-ray for my birthday yeah so um my friends Lindsay and uh jared got it for me for my birthday so i finally checked it out um on blu-ray i owned it as part of some like four four, yeah Yeah. four pack and it's with it's a good set it's like the remake of like house on haunted hill and faculty and slither and like love the faculty something else but it was it's a great set but it's like crappy dvd quality which i like can barely watch anymore plus that scream cover is just so beautiful oh it's it's beautiful and you know the shockwaves podcast talked about it like uh, ryan turk made a comment like oh yeah i took a girl on a date to the theaters to go see slither and like let's just say it didn't go well and like i didn't like it was like his girlfriend or something and he was like yeah just really like girls hate that movie the whole time I'm watching it, and like maybe Ryan, you can help me with this. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, this movie's exceptional, and it is gross for sure. And I'm not a fan of body horror. Like body horror, it mm-hmm. does gross me out. Like I love gore. There's a difference. I yes. love gore, but I hate when the horror is because of your body. Yeah. Like the only body horror I can really think I like is Cabin Fever, and it's because it has like so much. A- else going on with it american mary yeah i really yeah. like american mary so it, it it has to have something else going for it um the story itself has to be like for me but i can't i i just think it's this weird line that slither plays is like this line between almost being a joke yeah I and think being it's like, serious mm-hmm. it's like jet black humor yeah with this like kind of like drive-in movie feel and, like, that's kind of how all of James Gunn's movies, yeah. even, like, Guardians has a little bit of that, which I think is why it's so charming. But, like, And this movie super, is super charming. Oh, yeah. Like, charm, like, out every single character and situation. There's just... I think this is Nathan Fillion at peak Fillion. Oh, I it's, love him in this it's movie. It's so good. And all of... And I, I'm a huge Elizabeth Banks fan. Oh, yeah, And all great. of their, like little small town southern accents they're rocking like small town american accents they're doing and and even our like uh our bad guy you you like and he's disgusting oh and he's so gross so it's michael Michael rooker Rooker. yeah obviously walking dead and guardians galaxy fame fame. that him and james gunn are very very tight uh one of the grossest freaking things i've ever seen but you still 
like don't hate him. Oh no, no and no, no, you no. still like find even though he looks gross as a human, like as his regular self in it too. They like shave his head. Oh yeah, and he's got these big old glasses. Dude, that's what Michael Rooker like, plays though, because Merle was the same, and also yeah. Yondu. Yondu yeah. is kind of the bad guy of Guardians, but it's like, but, but he's kind of this charming yeah. jerk, and like we like him. So I don't know the rest of like when any like girl horror fans listening like back me up or don't back me up let me know why it's not for you but i think slither slither is one of my favorites like even rewatching it i'm like i think this has to like fit into my top 25 when i reconfigure it because it's it's exceptional it's i think it gets overlooked a lot but this like it's well james gunn getting rocket strapped into the stratosphere has helped a lot for sure and you know what's great about james gunn is they did this blue re-release like well after he got like attached to the Marvel think tank, and he they like, did this like during Guardians two. Yeah, like, Guardians and he 2. made sure that yeah. he had time to do all of the, the commentary. Spe- the special features, I I was able to check out the inter. I haven't listened to the commentary, but the interview with him's on it's really great. He's kind of a weird guy. He's um, a little weird. Michael Rosenbaum has a podcast. Um, he's of Lex Luthor in the Smallville show fame, and he and him James, and James Gunn are they're really really good friends. They're really good friends. Um, and he has him on there, and you know he's a bit like he's a bit of a strange guy, and he kind of had like a womanizer type past, not in any kind of objectifying like troublesome way, but just in he a said way some of, dumb things. Yes, he's he's kind of a strange guy, and uh, if if you're into Michael Inside Michael Rosenbaum is a very great podcast if you're interested in like. He really asks inappropriate questions, and you find out a lot about these celebrities that he's friends with, James Gunn being one of them. So it's like, he's a very open guy, but he is kind of weird, and and it's funny that he's gotten all this Marvel fame, but uh, check out Slither. The Screen Factory release is beautiful. The extras that I've seen are exceptional, and it's definitely something worth having on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, I own it as well. Yeah, I checked out Idle Hands for the first time. Um, that was your, I didn't know that was your yeah, first time watching it. was my oh, first time watching it. That makes it. so much more sense. Yeah, it's from 1999 and I did. We talked about it. She was so lukewarm on it. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, I love Idle Hands. But I, I do think it's very like American Pie humor. Uh-huh. And if you didn't grow up watching uh-huh. it. yeah. It's hard to connect to. It is. And I grew up watching American Pie because it was freaking on TV all the time. And yeah. so I do have a connection with it. And that's never been like my cup, like that boyish humor has never really been for me. And it is just like, and I, I love the cast. Um, I love Seth Green. Love mm-hmm. him to pieces. Devin Sawa, mm-hmm. I mean, I had the fattest, like every girl my age, I had the fattest crush on him when I was younger. I had a lot of fun with it. I loved like once um, Seth Green and... The guy who plays Foggy in Daredevil now. He has a really weird name, um, too. Once they died and, like, come back, it's super fun. I liked that type of stuff. A lot of it, it was just, Eldon like... Eldon Henson. I oh. know we've looked this up before. Yeah, Eldon Henson. They're super fun <laughs> in it. I love all the They're stuff great. like them. Yeah. And I love once it, like, amps up, like, the final act of this film when, like... Oh, the school? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's all super fun. Love that it's set on Halloween. The humor and the gross boy stuff, like, kind of, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But I, I wish, it is still fun, and I did like it. I wish it was more of the, and I'm not even a stoner, but I the kind of stoner humor. Yeah. Because, like, Seth Green, like, I love when they come back and they're like, yeah, there was this thing, it was like, come in line. I was yeah. like, no, I'm good. No, that was the best part. All the stuff with, like, Seth Green and... 
Eldon. Eldon Henson. Eldon yeah. Henson was great. And then the final act, super fun, super great uh, once it gets amped up. So it was super fun. Um, I there, liked it. Is there a blue one? I didn't love it, I but I liked that. it. Um, those were like the horror things. Besides, I do have to talk about the fact that I, uh, I mean, I listened, but I read Carrie. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Stephen King's Carrie for the first time. I've seen all three movies. Um, I've read a lot of Stephen King's recent, like newer stuff. Um, but I don't, I have not read most of his classics I've never read, so this is like his first classic. Carrie is like, one of the only ones I haven't read. I I mean, I absolutely loved it. It was not what I was expecting. It's not like the movies in the way that um, it's not told. It's typical Stephen King where you're never getting it from a single perspective. Yeah. He just doesn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an exceptional book. Really wonderful Um it was quick. I loved it. And yeah, Carrie's I'm, short. It is. I mean, it was one of his first novels. Yeah, and it was intentionally he. There's a great part in the in the audio book uh, where he talks. The foreword is from him, and I'm assuming it's probably in 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 print as well. Yeah. Um, but he's and it is Stephen King doing the narration on that part, and then Sissy Spacek narrating it. Oh, cool. So super wonderful performance too, which is very important with audiobooks. Um, and it's just great to hear her like say mama and because I do really love, like the original. Uh, um, yeah, that movie is great. It's, yeah, he makes a comment. It was supposed to be like a short story and it's like loosely based on two girls that he knew in school and they kind of kept haunting him to like tell their story. And so he kind of did. And, um, yeah, and it just seems like I've been. Probably because just what's going on in the world right now, but I feel like a lot of the media I've been consuming has kind of had this, uh, like, be a good person, like, makes you want to be a better person after watching it. Like, I watched um, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to theaters and saw Wrinkle in Time, which was okay. Um, That is the exact review (laughs) I have heard from every person who has seen it. My biggest thing would be it was a little too cheesy for adults. It didn't have that transition that Disney movies have where you can be an adult and not be like ridiculous. Like it was a little bit too cheesy for adults and probably I didn't go see it with any kids, but probably too scary for kids. And also probably for you, not enough Chris Pine. Oh, definitely not enough Chris Pine. Whew, man. He's his, rocking the grays in that, too. Oh, and the long hair. And I was just like, every time he came on, yeah, I was he looks like... he good with the grays. I was dying a little bit in my uh, reclined back uh, <laughs> chair. Uh, it was okay. But it did have a great... It did make me want to be really proactive about just being nice in general. Even, like, when I go to the grocery store, just be nice to the people and say, mm-hmm. hey, like, have a great weekend and just be really chipper because I don't know what's going on in their life. And... Carrie, you listen to that book, you read it, you watch one of the movies. I, it makes me wish I could go back to high school and be a better person and be nicer to more people. I wasn't a mean girl whatsoever, but I definitely wasn't as compassionate and understanding as I could have been with a lot of people. So um, that was my other big horror thing. Um, I watched some like romantic, I watched Rough Night, that like Scarlett Johansson Bachelorette. Okay, and I'm only bringing this up for my husband's sake. Because we're sitting down and he catches the end of it. And our group of friends gives my husband a terrible, like, makes fun of him so much. Because there's this movie uh, about, like, a bachelor party. 
Oh my god! And he tries to con- try to convince all of us. He could never remember the name of it, and he's like, "No, this movie's super famous." And he's like, "You've all seen it. You've all you seen have. it. It's a super famous movie." And we're like, "We have no." And he's describing it to us. He's like, "It's like a, the original Hangover," and we're like, "We have no idea what you're talking about." And now I'm forgetting what the name. Oh, of I can't it, remember I'm either. About and he's it. Talked about, oh no! He, he seriously um, brings it up all the time. Rough uh, night. No, no, that's the movie we're talking about. Oh my god, um, he's gonna kill me. Very bad things. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, so we're sitting down and he's like, this is very bad things. And I'm like, wait, seriously? And he's like, this is very bad things, but they just made it girls instead. He's like, there's a, there's a stripper they kill. Like, it's literally the same movie. So if you've seen very bad things, which my poor husband thinks everybody has seen it and it's super famous, um, Rough Night is the female ripoff of it. The movie was not good. No. And it tried really hard to play the role reversal and the women are the ones who do the crazy stuff and the, and it was just stupid. I did not like it. It was all. it was very really good. Good cast. Good, good bad, great cast. Yeah. Bad movie. Um I watched When We First Met, romantic comedy on Netflix. It was alright. It was good. Male I mean Ryan liked it. Yep. Uh it's a romantic comedy from a male's perspective, so Ryan was more the audience for it. Yep. But it was fine. Great cast again, but it was yeah. fine. And then Last thing, because this is like a huge pop culture check-in, but I watched Landline. Um, I've it's seen on. It a it's bunch. on Amazon Prime. Uh, I don't know who. Let me see. It's a female director. Um, like her Jenny name Sleet is in it? yeah, Jillian Robespierre, and from like Obvious Child, which Jenny Slate is in, which That's got a lot of critical acclaim, which I have yet to see. I just bring it up. Landline, which takes place around Halloween, and they do dress up as California raisins. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, I loved it. One of the Duplasses it. is in it. Yeah, uh, one of the Duplasses in it. Really great cast. And it just, Edie Falco's in it, who's always amazing. But I just cannot stress enough how underrated Jenny Slate is. Oh, she's so and good. And how spectacular she is in everything I haven't seen Landline, but Obvious Child, if you haven't seen it, is one of the best, like, sobering comedies that you'll ever see. Yeah, this is just really a a portrait on relationships, um, both a sister relationship and then the romantic relationship that um, Jenny Slate's character is engaged. Her parents are married but having a hard time, and her little sister is in a brand new are we boyfriend and girlfriend? Are we not? So it's kind of telling that these three women's like stories and directed by women, you it felt so real. All the characters are so believable. And it's not one of those, it's one of those movies where you're like, well, there wasn't really like a point behind it. It's just telling, it's like a snippet of a life and telling like a story of these relationships. There was no big overall message. It was just those are some of my favorite And they're movies. some of my favorite movies, too. Like and I love these, like, movies are yes. just so It's good. just a slice of life movie, and it's just this little indie gem. It's on Amazon Prime. And watch it. I really liked it. And I hope more people, I hope Jenny Slate just mm-hmm. continues to get more and more roles because she's just well, spectacular. She, she can go from, like, that, you know, that drama to Parks and Rec. <laughs> to Parks and Rec, playing Lisa. the most, yeah, yeah the obnoxious, most obnoxious characters crazy. possible. Um, so. That's good, though. I'm glad you watched it because I was, I've been, like, waiting to pull the trigger on it. And now I, now, especially I just saw the tagline, 1995, when people were hard to reach. I love movies. 
Okay, place in the 90s. that would be my only complaint, is it seems like they really tried to push the fact that it was in the 90s, which I think it's only in a complaint because I feel like that's been do- been done. Oh, it's, it, Everybody's well, it's doing it right, right now. now. It's yeah. really trendy right now. The movie, it it's fine. I think for me, it was just like, oh, we get it, it's the 90s. But about it. it was important in this story right. to tell this. So, um, And I found it on Letterboxd. In a uh, list that somebody made of like movies from female directors you need to see, oh, that's and awesome. I'm always searching out, trying to expand my knowledge so I can be like name a female director besides Sofia Coppola. Like mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to do that. I'd like to if I'm gonna preach that more women. Catherine Hardwick. Yes. Eva DuVernay. Yes. Yeah. So exactly. We need to. I would like to be exposed to more of that, and this was one of those. So. Yes, I told you guys I did a lot. Yes, the Saucer <laughs> Sisters. Um, yes. Part of the reason we had such a pop, big pop culture check in is because who knows how long we will actually talk about this movie. It's uh, it's a, a, a crisp ninety like ninety nine minutes, so barely over an hour and a half. And they probably could have cut some shit out of it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, the could final, have been shorter. That final chase scene took oh, forever. Oh my god! So the movie we are talking about is Slaughter High, which came out in nineteen eighty six. Um, we watch it on the Vestron uh, collection blue, which uh, my wife got me for Valentine's Day, while she was actually trying to buy me Tragedy Girls, but it worked out. Um, it looked great, that's for sure. But, yeah, uh, we could see a lot of things yeah. that were mistakes. That so, were... Um, and we didn't intentionally do an April Fool's movie because we were going to do April Fool's Day for the next one, like the actual, uh, also 1986 April Fool's Day, which this movie was almost named, but they changed the name because of that movie. Uh, this we... was an accident for me. I didn't know at all. And Ryan's like, oh yeah, I heard that this was April Fool's Day themed. And I was like, what? Yeah, Ryan Turek, I think, posted something and he's like, blah, 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 something about pranks and like a picture of Slaughter High. And I was like, oh yeah, that movie is about a prank gone wrong. But I completely forgot it took place on April Fool's Day. So this is a happy coincidence. Yes. Um, and I happen to own it. So we're like, cool, let's do this. Uh, eight people were invited to their old high school for their 10-year reunion, <laughs> I guess, for where a fellow former student disfigured from a prank gone wrong is out to seek revenge. Uh, that's the synopsis. Even that's not, like, really really right one of the students at one point was like i'm 30 years old and like because they're doing coke and he's like man i'm 30 years old and this is what i'm doing in my life and i'm like if you're 30 this is your 12 year reunion maybe, or 13 maybe he got held back maybe but i graduate i graduated when i was 17 ben did too yeah so like I'm i graduated like, when i was 18 so i was like um yeah even 18's the norm you'd have to be held back twice yeah i mean with the rest of the class these well, I guys guess, were uh, pretty dumb that's true. so he was doing coke, so. <laughs> he, yeah, he was doing coke in a horrible suit. Uh, it was released November 14th, 1986. Uh, cost 140,000 pounds, which is... Approximately. Yeah, if you can tell us what the conversion rate in the 80s was from pounds to dollars and let us know how many dollars... I'm going to guess, cost. like, um, like $250,000. Oh, boy, that just seems like a lot. No. <laughs> way less it's got to be way way less well pounds of so much money money monies have always been more than dollars have always been more than there's just no way um i don't know it uh we don't know how much it made yeah did it have box office i don't know it's so weird this it's i I don't know i totally understand why it's a cult movie because like i don't know how people would have found it in the 80s like it's filmed in england with british actors but it's based in America, but all of 
their like all of their uh not rituals is not the right word all of their traditions they still hold true to like britain like so but they like do weird tropey things for like america like oh yeah they're drinking pbr and they're like dressed like like a a greaser greaser, they it's really interesting to see and i mean we didn't go to high school in the 80s but it's really interesting to see what uh this group of british people thought that in high school was like in the 80s and they got it really wrong dude and their high school is a castle i was like it's like an old manor their parking lot is just like a a field yeah and i that's i'm watching i'm like this school has 900 classrooms and there, a bathtub. And, and a bathtub and a bedroom. And, like, it was... I was like, what were they... Was it... A, I need to know. Who directed this? Where I'm, I'm getting Three ahead, people. But, Three people directed right. it. Well, that makes sense. And wrote it. So I need to contact one of them and be like, did you think this is how America was? Or this or was your was only this choice. Or was budget? <laughs> like, that's what I need to know. Uh, when we started the movie, as I looked it up, and I, like, I don't look up, like, everything, but I'm like, oh, little things here and there. It had a 0%. I told B, I was like, this movie has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And most of the time, like, that doesn't mean too much to me. Like, I am i don't base a score too much. Like, I, I've i definitely disagreed with, like, a lot of, like, a lot of what critics have thought about movies. Not, like, you know, it's not just sometimes, oh, I disagree with that one critic. It's like, oh, 80% of critics said this movie sucked. And I'm like, I really enjoyed it. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Especially when it comes to, like, old horror movies. <sighs> Uh, all movie wrote, Slaughter High gets a passing grade for the diehard genre fans, but it's worthless for uh, most any other audience. And I would say that's pretty accurate. Yes, that's a great one-line review. Yes. Uh, B hates the poster. Oh my goodness, you guys. This poster makes me so mad. It is a skeleton in a sweater vest and a scarf. And, and an a graduation cap. diploma cap. And... Aviator sunglasses holding out an apple bomb. Like an apple That's or a like bomb. a bomb. And it has the tagline, Marty majored in cutting classmates. And then like the secondary tagline, which is where the student body is going to pieces. There is, there's no classroom. We have no classroom scene in this movie. I was expecting, I looked at this poster. I'm like, yes, I love me a good high school themed slasher. We're going to have some kids in class. They're going to do something. No. They're in, like, a gym class. And most of the movie takes place in the hall where the bathrooms are. Yes. There's a lot of bathroom stuff. There's one skeleton, but trust me, it's not this skeleton. There's a graduation. I know, like, this gives me, like, the poster is, like, Crypt Keeper vibes. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. There's also no bomb in the movie. No. And there are, like, a lot of weapons. There's, like, a lot of different things used. Also, there's a mask in this movie. So why is there a skeleton? This... This is the most infuriating poster we have had so far, and I want... Also, the font's really bad. Like, the Varsity font's fine, but the well, stuff under it is Yeah, terrible. and then there's another poster, and I'm not sure... That's <laughs> the, uh, that was the original poster the, at launch. The other poster is, like, it looks like a like an 80s, like, invite you would get uh, for, like, a like birthday party. I feel like the poster party. was, like, holographic. Like, you moved and the yeah. skeleton would move. And it's, like, the skeleton, like, ripping through the paper. And there's, like, some triangles and the... It's... Ugh. I, I, I don't I, have words, you guys. The, the words are leaving me. The thing that, like, confuses me is, like, the mascot's not... Like, he doesn't completely hit for me. I, but I, he's still, like, cool enough to be on the cover. Um, why? Like, Just, I need to know why. 
it makes me want to watch it more than the actual movie. I wish I saw this movie, actually. I don't mind the tagline. Marty majored in cutting classmates? That's fine. It's, I hate the it's secondary funny. tagline. It's, it's, I like the play, cutting yeah, class. Yeah, but where the student mates. body is going to pieces for me is boring. And yep. it's lazy. And I don't, it's, meh. Um, it's also like only 10 people. I just, you guys, posters should represent the film. You know how I complained, I'll, I made a small complaint about Happy Death Day, how it's a cake. Mm. That spells it out. I'm like, it's still nice and I like it, but it's a cake and the whole movie's about a cupcake. So that's like a slight, this is literally, this, it's going past the, wow, that character is not actually in the movie to, this has nothing to do with the movie we just watched. So screw you, designer who designed this. See, I think I'm less offended because I I grew up a comic book fan, and if you're a comic book fan, you're used to covers being misleading. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, no, don't accept it. That's all the time. It just happens. Report it's like, it. Oh man, there. Are Report some... it to whoever the made the comic book. Oh, there are literally things on the cover. There will be characters on covers of comic books that aren't in the comic book sometimes. It drives um, me nuts. But I'm like, whatever. They no, it's not whatever. They're doing that to sell it. Uh yeah, and, and it works, which is why they keep doing it. That should be illegal. You should sue them. <laughs> For false advertising? Yeah, that is false advertising. That character's not in that comic. You bought it expecting to see that character. False advertising. I need to know all of these comics, and I will sue them for you. Thank you. Uh, luckily, I did not buy this movie at all. I mean, uh, but also, I didn't buy it for the cover. Uh, there were no sequels. Shocking. I know. I'm sure, and I, I really, reach out to us. Let us know what you liked about it. Um, we're going to be a little harsh. Uh who headed into the harsh harry manfredini did the score if you are into horror like man, man like manfredini is like a very very well respected and well-known name he did almost all of the friday the 13th movies wishmaster house one through three he's done a ton of genre work um, this is like the worst it's the weirdest score. i can dude it's been stuck in my head so <laughs> i can tell you what it is right now it's bam 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 <laughs> scarily accurate yeah no it drives me crazy and then it would randomly every once in a while be like like an actual 80s horror movie it would be like but then they'd be like it drove me fucking crazy oh my god it drove me so nuts i was like i can't do this like and it's like B wrote here, video game esque. It did sound like video game, like kind of that pixel music. It felt like a video game too, where it like warned you when something was gonna. Yeah. Like oh my if God. the killer or something happened, the music just got louder. Yeah. And then it'd get quieter again, and I'm like, oh, it's like I'm in like an old video game. And then also because the music would just repeat itself. It was so repetitive. It's like the same exact it's section. Like, it's like somehow these directors like got Manfredini's number and they called him and they're like can you make the score for this movie and he's like I don't know like what are you paying me and they're like $200 he's like fuck it loop there you go you got it there's the score for your movie I I guarantee you I I know that Kieran who is my manager or the co-editor of Ghastly Grinning if I brought the score up he'd be like I love it I love how weird and like out of the box it is okay I don't know him and I don't talk to him but I follow him on Twitter and I mean I've talked to him on Twitter a couple times 
He and loves bad things. He loves to love things that other people don't like. Yes. And it's then his talk about it. favorite thing. Yeah. No, it dry, me and him get into literally hours long fights. Oh, I don't. Sometimes I see things that I want to engage. I'm like, nah, I don't got time to engage in that. Um, I, I bet he'd be like, I want this on vinyl. Oh. Um, yeah, like we said, three directors. George Dugdale, uh, who did Living Doll. Don't know what the hell that is. 1990. He also did that with Peter McKenzie Lytton, who also uh, did Living Doll. And then movie. Heaven's a Drag. Yeah. And then Mark Ezra, who did Savage Hearts and House Swap. Never heard of any of these. House Swap randomly was in 2010, though. So He's like and Mark Ezra later. has done some things. He's been like a writer on a few things. He's the one who's done the most. She's done something. And he, Mark Ezra actually does end up playing a stand-in for the killer yeah. in a lot of the shots in the movie. Dude, the cast in this, um, I mean, I put down a cast. couple things. It's a really big cast. Like, well, I um, mean, it's it's essentially, you have 10 classmates plus the killer, so 11, and then a gym teacher. And the uh, janitor slash. Oh, yeah, the uh, janitor. So, like, the cast is, like, 13 people, but. They're in it, like, almost the whole movie. Yeah, the 10, the ten students that come back for the 12-year reunion um, are in, like, the whole movie. So yeah. it's actually, like, a really big roster of people to kill. We keep getting, like, confused. We're like, oh, wait, that person's here? Wait, who's that? Um, most Mostly of them, the men. The huh? men I got yeah. all mixed up. Most of them didn't do much, so I didn't really put it down. The biggest one is Carolyn Monroe as Carol. And it's funny because when you look at her IMDb, so The Spy Who Loved Me in 77, she had Maniac in 1980 and Star Crash in 1978. It's kind of what she's known for. So in the 70s, she was kind of like getting cast as this like bombshell, like really pretty like supporting role. And then her career kind of fizzled out and by the 80s she was doing these things. Thank God, I will say, because when you first start this movie, and you're like, these people are in high school. Like, this is more flagrantly offensive, like, to think that they're in high school than most CW dramas. And then, like, you you find out, like... It's because it's they're a, jumping forward. They're jumping forward 10 years. One of the actors in this is, thirty, like, 37. Yeah, no, and she looks like fucking she 37. Looks, like, really the old. whole movie, I was like, that lady is 40. Like, there's, you, the, you cannot trick me. I don't think that lady is <laughs> so, 18 at we all. we watched this with Ben, my husband, me, Ryan, and Ben watched it. And the, the opening scene, there's a full frontal nudity from Marty, the, uh, oh, yeah. the star and killer of this film and it was around the same time that we were realizing oh it must jump forward because like complaining about the time we're like oh my god like i can't believe it like they didn't get younger people and like my husband just made a comment he's like why did you want to see a 17 year old's dick and we're like thanks for bringing that up no i mean for that reason yes we're glad they're old yeah because you do see his penis yes you definitely see his penis in his butt uh-huh. Um, yeah. You see dude butt quite a bit in this. Uh, Simon Skeddemore, uh played Marty. It was his only role. He actually committed suicide right after, like, very close to after filming. Uh, yeah. It's... Intentional overdose, I think, right? Yeah. And it, it was nice to read. So, I guess the writer slash directors, the three men who did both, um, were concerned about him and were concerned about the movie and the impact that that had. And perhaps that it, it was an issue. And I guess at the service that they all went to, his mom, uh, the mother of Simon, you know, made a comment to them and said, no, like, 
towards the end of his life, this is like one of the only things he enjoyed was coming to work and working on the film. So, you know, you guys brought him joy. So that's good. Um, that, that was nice to, that was nice to read, but that is very sad. It's the only thing he was in and, um, he actually didn't finish the movie. Mm-mm. Yeah. When they had to do like post, um, yeah. that was all the director, Mark Ezra, one yeah. of the directors, um, filled in, um, Carmine, Iana Cohn, uh, skip, been in a couple things well he was literally in a movie in 87 and 88 and then nothing he's um, also okay i want to <laughs> talk about this real quick i feel like in these movies i've brought up how unattractive characters have been so far in the 80s not like throughout but like i'm occasionally i'm like that oh the one from terror train that dude is so ugly but and like i <laughs> this cast as a whole is just not doing it for me the hair it's, it's funny you can tell they're british you we can were, so we were making the comment british. that you know even though they're all white you can tell they're not american yep. you're like are they before we realized it in the very beginning ben was like he looks british you know it's like it's just they do they're no they just look british like yeah. they have a very distinct look and yeah. I, and we looked it up and i'm like oh well it was, it was filmed yeah, in, in england cast. and then it's like oh yeah they're all british yeah, he's very unattractive. His nose is, like, bigger than his face. And his mullet is, like, the worst. Yeah. I just, that, why was that hair a, a, in the 80s at all? I kind of want to see what you would have rocked in high school in the 80s. Oh, Probably something really bad. Horrible. Like, really bad. Like, Flock of Seagulls. Like, 100%, I think that's what it would have been. Yeah, probably. Um, You'd have one earring, for sure. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I would definitely Yeah, like a one would. hoop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and I would Miami Vice, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. That was the style that resonated yeah. with me. <laughs> um, yeah, a bunch of people that don't really matter. Donna Yeager, Gary Martin, re- Billy Harmon, they're, they're they fodder. And they haven't done any. Like, they for almost all of them, this is their only role. So there's a big cast, and you don't need to know who they are. It's a cult slasher. I'm pretty sure it's the first British-American one we're covering. Yes. I feel like we've covered I'm- a lot of Canada. Yeah, um, but nothing is... British yet, even though it's distinctly not American. I like just so much of it's weird to me. So, and before we like get super into it, one of the things we were talking about is in okay. So in in England, April Fool's Day actually ends at noon. Like they have a rule, and then if you do a prank on someone after after noon, noon you're the fool. So this whole movie, they keep talking about how all they have to do is make it past noon, and we're like, "No, why? <laughs> what? What? Why would that matter? Because it's, it's April, April Fool's day. day. It's the whole day. It's not like the sun comes up and the and it's over." And B found that out, and I was like, "Wow, that makes a lot of sense." But like, really weird. Like so many choices. Just I don't understand why they didn't just make it a British movie. Yeah, like make, let them do their normal accent. The I think the I just maybe they thought like a slasher just wouldn't do well. If maybe was, I mean slashers were yeah. huge at the time, yeah. so especially like in America, they were probably concerned if it wasn't American. Then... Like I think the slasher, like when you look at things, like when you look at the horror genre, I think the slasher is a distinctly American genre. Mm-hmm. Like it's very like it's it was you know like I you know Hitchcock was kind of the progenitor of it, and then Peeping Tom, but both American. Or Peeping Tom might have been British, actually. But, um, but like, Hitchcock and then Carpenter really cemented what slashers were. And it was kind of, like, out of this, like, counterculture movement. And also, like, it was very, like, built into the time of, like, feminism in the 70s. And so it was a very American thing. So it it's weird because I don't always 
like I forget that sometimes about slashers like oh that's an American like obviously other countries have adapted it now but like it's a very American thing and like yeah like Italy and France have like um giallos but those even feel a lot different than like a slasher does Mm -hmm. those are like more mystery much more adult um so I guess I can understand why they were like this will sell in America yeah uh, no real iconic weapon. The one used the most is probably acid. That's what dis- disfigures our killer. Um, and then he uses it for um, the really weirdest bath death scene ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like a stomach explosion. Yeah. Um, I don't know the names of these characters. Okay. We have it on the list. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, there's like a, this girl just takes a bath of an acid and dissolves into a skeleton. Um, so yeah, I'd say acid is probably a clue. Yeah. Oh, you know, the javelin is like, oh yeah, used a lot in the sense like it's picked up, but it's not used almost ever to kill. Yeah. Um, but like that was kind of like in the theme that, with their gesture. Yeah. And when you, but when I think about this movie, one of the top things that comes to my mind is acid. So mm-hmm. I would say if it's iconic, it would be that. Mm-hmm. Marty is our killer, and I think we've never had a killer with a better motive, really. Oh, dude has all the motive in the world. So he's, like, it's very, like, Terra Train-esque when, in the fact that he gets, he thinks he's going to get, have sex with this really attractive, popular girl at school. She, like, brings him into the women's locker room, and he's like, no, it's fine. Like, take off your clothes. I'll be out here waiting for you. He opens up the curtain. He's completely naked, and it's they're all literally all like, like ten of them yeah. are filming him. Yeah, and like poking fun about the fact. And that... And they're like touching his balls with the javelin, and like one of them's wearing the jester mask. And, and then they, they like, like dunk. They give what are those called? A swirly. Yeah, but they also like drag him across like shaving cream. They just torture they, like, him. One hundred percent, like horribly humiliate him. Yeah. Then, and they film it. Yeah. Then to top it off, they all get detention, and they're all, like, all in the gym, the one class that we see, and, and Marty's, like, in the science room doing something sciencey and mixing all these, like, dangerous chemicals, and they give him, it's, like, so elaborate. They give him a joint, and there's something in the joint. I don't know if that's something we should know, but we don't know what they give him, but a joint that makes him sick. Yeah. He throws up. And why he throws up, like, one of them sneaks something into the potion, into, like, his chemistry stuff. And the shelf is a shaken, and acid falls on him, and he becomes yeah, disformed. He, like, yeah, he starts the lab on fire because <sighs> of whatever they put in the in his, like, chemicals. And he try, he's trying to put the fire out, but he's all flustered. So nitric acid, which is on the top shelf of the r- most rickety <laughs> shelf in school history falls and splashes him in the face and he gets completely disfigured and then that's when we get our 10 or 12 or 13 year jump forward um and we like see that basically it's just one character we see has been in well two characters because our the girl that he was like thought he was going to get lucky with is like a big movie star now well she's a porn star right yeah and um, (laughs) and her roommate was also a former classmate yeah um and they're like talking about going to the reunion and then we slowly like get reintroduced to everyone um and find out that base like marty has invited them it's just a real reunion which you think they would have known when they got there and all of the doors were locked and everything was closed so weird that like marty invites them and then the front doors lock. They have to sneak into the school. They like have to break in. But then once they get in, there's like there decorations is like a, yeah, there's and like decorations and beer, beer and 
and cake and like yeah. lockers set up and they're yearbooks and it's very it's a very straight like and they have a caretaker <sighs> who doesn't know anything about it and it's really weird too because they get there in like the middle of the day and the next scene it just shows them at night and they're like maybe we should give up i'm like dude you have been here <laughs> way too long you should have gave up forever ago like and, and none of it makes any sense it's it's very odd um man i've never been like less motivated to really go through kill like in there's not much of a story here there really isn't it's not like it's not like my bloody valentine or silent night deadly night or even blood rage yeah where we have like even blood rage at least had this like weird wild story that we're following yeah and it's like oh yeah it's like super bizarre like his twins back but then they think this guy is him and then and then like yeah, it's kind of like mom, a soap opera yeah and like this, like, this is nothing. It's just these, like, douchebag it's, characters. It's the most despicable humans. They sit there ten years later and they're still making fun of how... And they, they like... They, they, okay, so these, this happens tomorrow. This is why I'm like, we've never had a character with more motive. These people who did this to him, who tortured him on April Fool's Day, have no idea. We have Stan, or whatever his name is, the real ugly one. Skip. Uh, Skip. Whatever. Telling them, like, the legend of Marty mm-hmm. and, like, oh, yeah, he went to the mental hospital afterwards and, and all this stuff. And everybody's like, what, really? And they're like, yeah, he was never the same again. and But now I think he's fine. And, like, I was, like, looking at Ryan. I'm like, you're telling me. These motherfuckers <laughs> put this guy in a hospital, fucked up his entire life, and they never followed up. They didn't have any thought about him. No guilt. They're like listening to Skip like it's the most fascinating urban legend that has nothing to do with them. They're like, oh, really? Tell us more. Also, numerous times they're like, it's not our fault. Or yeah. like, oh, what's he so mad about? And I'm like, uh, you disfigured him after after completely humiliating him butt naked. Like, it's you were <sighs> literally the worst people. Um, so the first one who dies. So, okay. I want to tread lightly on this because I don't really know. It's not something I'm super, like, well-educated in or can speak to very much. But obviously, growing up in the era that I grew up in, there was a very big trope that was made fun of a lot in movies, which is that the black character, the African-American character, always dies first. Like, that was a trope they made fun of in, like, every horror comedy ever, like, for us growing up. Yeah. And so... But, I never understood where it came from because I was like, I've never seen that in, like, any of the movies I've watched. Yeah. Um... And this movie has a ver- Digby, who is the like caretaker, who is a character who is pretty much unrelated to everything, just shows up, and he's the first to die. He mm-hmm. shows up for like two minutes to be like, "Hey, you kids shouldn't be in here." And then he was the janitor. Mm-hmm. He's the one who actually told the gym teacher that Marty that they were doing something in the girls' bathroom. He actually kind of helped get those guys in trouble. Yeah, there's no motive to kill him. But he dies first. But he dies first, like, very out of left field. It was kind of weird. I really am interested now to go back and, like, read up on where this trope developed, if this is, yeah. like, part of it. One of the fun things about this podcast has been, like, seeing where slasher tropes are made. But this is, like, a weird one that I've never witnessed before. Yeah. So if you guys know or, like, have any more, like, information about that. Yeah, or, like. Because the- obviously it is a trope because even in House of Wax, like oh, they yeah, make yeah, yeah. they make a comment like I'm, I don't want to you guys if this is a horror movie I'm gonna be the first one to go yeah they like, always, always like say joke. something it's like the from like mid nineties to mid two thousands that was like a very common yeah. place like statement that happened in a horror movie 
or like shows or or comedy like horror comedy yeah um but he is the first to die stabbed in the head by a coat hook and then brutally nailed to the door um the next kill is super cool yeah uh ted um shotguns a beer he's trying to show off yeah shotgun and beer and then his stomach like the beer is actually acid and then his stomach uh the skin boils away like boils and like pops open and then his intestines come out and it's pretty cool like his stomach literally pops yeah it was pretty gross yeah it was definitely um one of the better like graphic um or effects they had in this uh carl putney's next die just uh pretty basic impaled through the back of the uh through the back with a sword oh he's in the car yeah he was so this is at the point where they well i mean ted just had his stomach blown up so they're all running away they're trying to they're trying to get out, and they they realize that all of the um, oh, because this was another part of the prank was when Marty tried to grab his towel, the towel rack was electrocuted. So they're trying to get out of the castle, this high school, <laughs> high school slash castle. castle, and all of the windows are barred with like um, not just bars, but also like fence, like fencing, um, and it's electrocuted. But like Carl's small enough that he can fit through, so he gets the keys to um, like the nicest car there. And he's trying to, he gets out and into the car, but then he's stabbed with a sword. While this is happening, Shirley, who got some guts on her after yeah, Ted's, Ted's stomach like blew up. Yeah, her, they're together. Um, I don't know what they are, but they're together. Yeah, so Shirley got some blood on her. She has become, um, she has, she's no longer with the group. and She's she like has, in shock. She has found the one bathroom in the high school, presumably, and gets butt naked and decides to take a bath. Yeah. I... I don't know what the thought process was here. I don't like even in a weird state of panic. I was like that, like that might happen in real life because I don't know what it's like to go into like shock and panic. But like in a horror movie, I've never in my life seen some girl completely separate herself from a group to get naked and take a bath after somebody has just her significant other has just died in front of her like it's violently so weird it's really weird too and it's also kind of strange because you think maybe this is like they're trying to find an opportunity to have like some female nudity but there's a shower scene in the very beginning with like kind of the with the final girl and they don't show her naked mm-hmm. they don't show her breasts um at all and i don't know if it's because that actress wasn't interested in doing that or what but so it's like why it just seems unnecessary yeah and like very weird and you know she dies because they he starts pumping acid yeah, through the bath and it and melts her and she can't stand up it's a really it's a really poorly done scene too like it could have been a lot cooler but mm-hmm. it has a lot of continue continuation errors like first she's laying down she can't get up and it's like she's dead but then all of a sudden they come back to it and she's like trying to pull on the shower curtain she like stands up but won't get out of the bath which is and she's just like screaming and like the screams don't match her mouth and it's kind of weird the whole thing is weird and then all of a sudden you have some really and then her face like it cuts to this like really close-up shot of of like a bad animation yeah of her face dissolving into the skeleton and then the next thing you see skeleton it's a full like it's just a skeleton it's a human body skeleton and it's like steaming. Just the bones, yeah. yeah, steaming. It's very cartoony. It is super cartoony. It's it. It's really bad. Like you can't even enjoy like that when you think about it. Like if you read this, like surely melted by acid in bathtub, you think, oh, that'd be cool. It wasn't cool. It was really bad. It was really poorly done. Yeah, it was just some weird decisions. So yeah, maybe like weird editing because that mm-hmm. sounds like an editing thing. 
the Mexico is Joe. They've realized that, like, uh, Marty... I don't think they even realize at this point that it's Marty still. Um, no. they They're suspect, oblivious to the um, fact that they yeah. have anything to do with Marty. Um, that he has, like, pretty much um, made it so none of their cars are going to operate. So they... Joe is, like, kind of, like, the gearhead, and he's like, oh, I'll get this lawnmower to work. Like, this riding lawnmower. And while that's happening, Marty comes in and drops a lawnmower on him. Also, on his mi- knee? On his knee. Missed opportunity. Could have been really cool. Like, they do the setup cool, because, mm-hmm. like, the blade starts going, and it's getting lowered on the to joe but again i think a weird editing thing because like it shows it land on his knee i'm like you could have just shown it like moving down and panned up yeah to the blood splashing and i wouldn't have been like that was his knee like yeah. i would have been like oh i got a stomach or something <laughs> yeah we were watching it and we're like i get it's just so many things in this take you out and mm-hmm. we're not we don't we didn't go into this it's like a, a cult 80s slasher we didn't go into this thinking it was going to be anything exceptional and we're not nitpicking because, you know, we we think this should have been some highbrow film. We're, ni- we're just pointing out that you couldn't even stay in the film because they made so many weird choices that we were just like, what? We, we enjoyed curtains, okay? Yeah, we so, did. Like, we're definitely I not liked gonna, that movie. Like, we're, not gonna, we're not here to, like, bash on, like, old cult classics. No, That's it's not, just, it there's was just so, so many weird. things that we're like, why did they do that? Ben was like, I guess there's, like, an artery there. Like, it, like, and it's not even, like, sometimes, sometime, like, a lot of the time I'm like, oh, whatever, it's a horror movie. But, like, just the way it happened, like, I thought it was just, like, very bizarre. And, again, I think it's probably editing. The fact that there's three directors shows that there's probably some problem behind the camera. Um, so it's just some, it just, like, jumps all over the place. Um the next two characters, so Stella... This is my favorite, Kel. Uh, yeah, so Stella and Frank. So Stella, back in high school, always wanted to hook up with Frank. She is now with Joe, who... They have a kid together. Yeah, and unbeknownst to her, Joe has been gutted by the lawnmower. So um, they decide to have sex. She, like, hardcore comes on to him. He, like, can't even get it up. He's like, I feel bad about this. And she's like, nah, we are doing it. We are having sex. Yeah. Joe only cares about his truck. Yeah. She's like, he's even working on it on a car right now and it's like he's trying to save you but okay so they're having sex and she while they're having sex marty hooks up a battery a car battery with jumper cables because they're having sex on like a wireframe bed mm-hmm. and he hooks it up to the wireframe oh, so and what so while she is orgasming i need to make sure with brennan that this is rated explicit she is literally screaming i'm coming and gets fried and so 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 one frank also (laughs) dies didn't know he dies because it looks like he just throws himself off the bed he like it looks like he jumps out of the way but he dies but she screams that while her whole face (laughs) and just her face and her hands turn charcoal black and like she's just sitting there with her o face like charred black and her boobs and it's just like the only time I've ever seen that, too. Like, I was like, wow, this is definitely the only horror movie where I've even heard someone say, I'm coming. And then to die while it's happening. Fantastic. Yeah, um, I told Ryan that I'm going to, like, petition that we change the cover of the movie. And it's just going to have Ryan Larson <laughs> uh, of Ghastly Grinning. No. The, the only movie... <laughs> The only horror movie I've seen where the woman says, I'm coming. It was a big deal for me, okay? It was a, a plus for me. It's a thumbs up in my book. Um, But, yeah, it was just, that was it. 
It was funny. It was an entertaining. That was it an was entertaining, entertaining kill. kill. Yeah, it was that great. Was really I loved it. I seriously was just like smiling from ear to ear. I'm like, that's what I'm talking. That's what I was expecting. That's what I was wanting. Uh, so now it's pretty much down to Nancy, Susan, and Skip. Um, we are led to believe that Skip is hung, but he, he like he he gets he hung, fall. but he falls. So you're kind of like, well, did he die or did he fall? But um, you know, being a horror fan, that he's not dead. So at this point, Nancy and Susan, um, no, Nancy and Carol are running around. Nancy runs outside. She gets outside and she falls immediately into a oh. septic tank. She falls in poop. It's so disgusting. It's really gross. I, I shielded my eyes. I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be, but it looks like it. And also, oh no, it's, it's dis- definitely it's septic. disgusting. And like, she and it's like sludgy. Also, she oh. has like incredible upper body strength. Yeah, because she like grabs his pipe and, and just lifts herself her body out, up. and he just kicks her back down, and she dies. She um, dies in poop, guys. Yeah, it's really, gross. really, really gross and sad. Um, Susan is killed off screen because we only know because Carol runs into her, and this is after. Uh, so Carol, in the longest run up <laughs> sequence, it's like no joke, not exaggerating. Has to be at least fifteen minutes of Carol just running around the school with the jester chasing her with his bells on his hat that are wind chimes. Like the sound effect oh. they use for the bells are wind chimes. I I can't. I just really I just can't with it. And it's really weird too the because the bells aren't jingling. No. And so you there's this one specific scene where he like comes around the corner and you, and she's hiding and you see him and you just hear the doo 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 like wind chime noise. Oh, they're hundred percent wind chimes. And then not no, it is. Yeah. It's wind chimes, which you, takes you out where you go. Why is it wind chimes? That's not what bells sound like. And you can see the bells on his hat, and they're not moving. It's also frustrating because sometimes like he'll be running and they're making noise, and sometimes they won't. So I'm like, when do they make noise? And at one point, like he's sneaking up on her and it's not making noise, but then he takes like a weird step, I guess, and it's like it makes the wind chime noise. And I was like, uh, okay. It's. Um, she's hiding from him and, uh, Skip comes around the corner, unfortunately, to get hacked in the face with an axe that Carol found, so she does accidentally kill Skip, who was still alive. Um, she pretty much makes it to the theater, um, you know, which she has, like, fond memories of, because she was an actress at one point, uh, before being stabbed in the stomach with the javelin. There's so much of this, like, 15-minute scene of her, like, running. Where it's just her just... running through hallways, man. Yeah, and then she also, like, stops. She hides stops, in the bathroom for some like, reason. And she's like, oh, yeah, let me just, let, let me stop running from the, this person trying to kill me. She ha- let me, like, point... ponder, ponder this abandoned high school castle. She's like, I remember this. <laughs> uh, at one point, too, it's really weird. She's hiding on the toilet, so, like, he can't look under the saw and see her feet, and she hears, like, a noise. So she opens the toilet, and there's, like, blood in it. And instead of just, like, letting it be, she flushes, she flushes it, it, which causes it to flood the bathroom, so she has to leave that bathroom. Um, it, and then, so, oh, she's in the she's in the theater before she finally goes into another bathroom, pretty much where the movie all started, so it's a nice, neat little wraparound, and she gets stabbed. And after she gets stabbed, um... Yeah, I was, like, getting bummed because I'm like, she's not going to die, and I really want her to die. Uh, you definitely want everyone to die. Yeah. Um, after she dies, Marty wakes up screaming, and we realize that um, because they talk about how he just finished his plastic surgery, he's only been in the hospital for, like, a couple months. So this is all it's fucking all a dream. dream. Um, and he swears to get revenge. He murders the nurse in the final scene of the movie. Is like the doctor comes in because the alarm goes off. Stabs him in the eye and with a needle. Marty turns around wearing the nurse's clothes. His face is all like two faced out, like really gross looking. Yeah. Um, and stabs him in the eye with a needle. So. Yeah, for some reason he decides to like 
It's also like a weird scene. He's got like his bandages on, and she's like, "Oh, you can take your band." The nurse is like, "You can take your bandages off soon." And then he like, oh, he rips slowed. his face off. He yeah. like starts ripping his face off. But it's a weird scene because I don't know if like. It's the final scene in the movie, and it's done in slow motion. Yeah, it's in slow motion, and he's just, like, under his eye, and he's just slowly, slowly ripping. And you don't actually really see anything happening. You can just tell he's, like, ripping the skin, and you're like, I will okay. say, though, in, like, Carol, um, Carol? Yeah, Carol yeah. does unmask him in the dream sequence, too. And, like, he looks cool. Like, his disfigurement's uh-huh. cool-looking. The like, two-faced the done really is, yeah. is done well. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, uh, it's very, like, it is very Jason-esque. The Jester mask is not great. I think it could have been cool. Like, I really like the whole, like, wearing the varsity jacket. Like, yeah, still look like, like you're costume. in school. And then you have the mascot. But the the mask itself was kind of like the old hag from There's, Curtains. Yeah, yeah. But there were some really cool silhouette shots in yes, the movie with the that mask. Were great. The mask make makes for an awesome silhouette. Yeah. Like lightning and they would used light up. That well. Yeah. Um. So that like, it was cooler not seeing him. It um, was. Yeah. There were like some. There were some effective things as far as like there was this part where this girl's like Marty, is that you? And like this painting on the wall of Marty and like these that hands was beautifully reach out and grab done. Yeah the, yeah. the painting was great. Um, so there was, like, some cool stuff alluding to the killer. It was yeah. once you finally saw him that it was kind of like, uh, oh, that's, that's not great. Oh, that's just a mask. Um, yeah, so that, uh, I'm with B. My favorite kill in the film is definitely when they're doing it and then they get electrocuted <laughs> to death. Doing it. Uh, doing it. And uh, I don't think this movie has a position in the horror landscape. I think if it weren't for the age we live in now of media and like uh, also this like horror renaissance where we're getting all these fantastic transfers like no one would remember okay. this movie so this when I, you look up the blue and i should have specifically wrote it down because i got a lot of enjoyment from it but it was originally on a dvd pack which is like the only way you could get it and it was with like chud 2 and like a bunch of and like a movie that one of our listeners like uh, recommended, which was like nine eight seven kill or whatever. Oh, like one of the nine seven six evil or whatever. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like on a pack, like a ten pack with like the sequels to some series and like. And I was like, yeah, that's that's where this belongs. It belongs in one of those ten pack horror DVDs. That is the position this movie has. Mm-hmm. It perfectly belongs there. Yeah, I want one to of those re-watch gems it you kind of want in like a bigger group. Because I definitely think I'd get more enjoyment with more people finding ridiculousness in it. Um, I mean, I found enjoyment in that for sure. The part that was like a bummer is that it it doesn't have enough. It's not the joy of Blood Rage is that everything about it is so ridiculous and over top and over the top. Where this one is like and curtains too and curtains. Like, yeah. I felt like it was, like, also, like, I felt like Curtains had a lot of earnesty in it. No, it did. And, when, and like, what and it, it was worked more, it worked, it worked more better. <laughs> it, it worked more as a drama, like, as a drama and, like, legitimate acting. Mm-hmm. And Curt- so Curtains had that going for it. This film doesn't have any of that. It's not, the whole premise itself isn't over the top. You actually, like, the, the slasher it sets up is legitimate it's not some crazy twin killing and then coming back where it's like really silly this is like a legitimate slasher setup that could have been done very well and could have been done more seriously Mm -hmm. where this one just crosses a line where being so bizarre where we are 
Americans watching British directors and actors trying to be American but not understanding it with no storyline. There's no interpersonal, like, you know, like, these two characters are together, but you don't feel that. You don't know that. The characters, there's nothing about that. Like, at least with Terror Train, you have some semblance of relationship between the characters. Mm -hmm. We did talk about how it could have been better, Mm -hmm. but at least we know that Jamie Lee Curtis is, like, has a life, and it feels like that exists, and she has friendships, and we know that Doc's this asshole. And, like, every character like, has a real relationship and feels like they have a real existence, where this movie is truly a place to kill, but it doesn't happen quick enough. We spend too much time with those characters. And we hate them. And we hate them. We don't them. root for anyone, and we don't really root for our killer. Like, and Marty's I mean, likable, for sure. He's fine. But then he but... doesn't appear until way late in the movie again. And they're also, like, super, like, they're just so despicable. It's kind of like... At first, it's almost like he's built this, like, death trap for them. Like, he's not, like, super the one killing them because it's, like, acid in the stomach, acid yeah. in the bath, these electric fences. Um, and, like, Marty, Marty's fine, but, like, I feel like, yeah, it just misses the mark. I, I think a lot was probably left on the floor with this one. Um, so at the end of every episode, we rank them. If you go to keepscreaming.com uh, slash the dash list, you can find our full ranking Right now, My Bloody Valentine, the original, is number one, followed by Happy Death Day, uh, Urban Legend, My Bloody Valentine 3D, Hatchet, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Most Likely to Die, Blood Rage, Curtains, and Terror Train at number 10. Um, I told B when we finished this movie, because I like to let things sit with me for a while before I make like a final decision, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to rank this below Terror Train. I sadly rank this below Terror Train. Uh, especially after like I told him I was going to fight him on yeah, it. Yeah, especially after thinking about it, though, and also like as goofy as it is, I fucking love david copperfield in here yeah train. like i love that whole thing i yeah. love like, there's things to really like well, like, train as a whole movie the idea yeah. of like taking the costumes is super cool yeah. like i felt as a slasher it kind of misses the mark terror train which does. is why it's so lo- and i feel like each week when we've been talking about movies like curtains and we've talked and i think like maybe we gave like terror train too much of like like a rough rating we were too harsh on it because of jamie lee curtis and because it's so like well loved and we had higher expectations but then i keep reminding myself we're ranking these based on how successful they are as a slasher Mm -hmm. and although terror train does have a lot of promising and likable things like david copperfield and jamie lee curtis towards the end of the movie and the costume like all that stuff is cool doesn't make for it still doesn't make for a very successful slasher and so that's why curtains is higher because curtains is a better slasher it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a better movie but as a slasher it works better this movie does not even work better and that's what like when we finished watching it i'm like no like i had fun watching it absolutely i really enjoyed watching it i thought it was fun and i i would watch it again i would definitely rewatch this movie and like ryan said i'd watch it in a group I didn't like having. I actually think I initially had more disdain for Blood Rage than I did for this film, but it's not good, Mm-mm. and it's not a good slasher. No, the kills are. The kills could be cool, but like maybe they didn't have the budget. Maybe, uh, but maybe... you also it's like you almost said it's almost kind of like a haunted house setup. Mm-hmm. You don't even feel those kills really coming from Marty, which takes away from it feeling like a slasher 
Right. It's, I mean, it's only late, like, it's maybe the last quarter of the movie that we finally start getting that. And and one of the greatest parts about slashers is that final chase scene you have with your final girl. That's a very common theme that we will get, that, that pinnacle moment. In Terror Train, that's where we finally see Jamie Lee, like, shine. That's, like, the worst scene in this movie, is the finale. Oh, it's awful. It's, it, we're, you could cut 10 minutes, cut, cut 10 minutes out of it, and I'd probably be better. Yeah, I'm also pretty sure that score showed back up. So yeah. like, running down the hallways, and it's just like, <laughs> no one's going to be scared when that's happening. Um, yeah, I'll put it last. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um... So that is, yeah. That's so, 11. 11 on the list will be Slaughter High. Slaughter High. Um, I mean, still, again, like B said, it's enjoyable to watch. Go support Vestron. They're great guys. Like anyone who's committing time and effort and passion into doing this, mm-hmm. it's not a knock on them at all. And I, you know, I love that these movies exist for the fear sake that I get to watch them and talk yeah. about, like, if I get, like, the, where they rank for me. And reach out to us, uh, Screaming Cast on Twitter or at Ryan Larson at BNotB. Tell us what you liked about Slaughter High or if you uh, disagree with us. Um, we will be back in two weeks to do our actual April Fool's Day episode, which is April Fool's Day, which they don't make on Blu ray, like, at all. So that's frustrating because I like to own all of these. But we are going to cover the original April Fool's Day, not the weird '90s remake. Uh, although maybe we'll—I mean—we'll get around to that eventually. Yeah. No, it looks really bad. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> we'll get around to it eventually. We're going to run out of slashers. No, really. we are not. There. I mean, unless we could start including giallos. There's like so many of them. Um. Cool. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for always reaching out to us. Um. You know, if you can, go to iTunes and rate, review, subscribe. It super helps us out. Kind of lets us know how we're doing, what you're thinking. Um, Gives us an idea, at least, if we have listeners. So we would appreciate it. And we will be back in two weeks to talk about April Fool's Day. Or will we? (laughs) It's like a prank. Okay, also, I'm just going to tap this on because I forgot. When we were thinking of the name for this podcast and going over it, I was like, oh, yeah, and like, one of our little like taglines at the end of the show would be like, "Okay, thanks for listening, and remember to keep screaming." Oh, and I was like, "Man!" And then I was like, "Every time, that's genius." I forget that I was like, "Yeah, that's like the whole point of this of this the name of our podcast is we want people to watch slashers." So, guys, thank you and keep screaming. Bye bye. <laughs>